Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Whether you're looking for a good Korean skincare or affordable and trendy jewelry, they've got you covered. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. This episode is brought to you by Nordstrom Rack. Hey, y'all, and welcome to Trials to Triumphs. I'm Ashley Blaine Featherson Jenkins, but you can call me ABFJ. This week, media mogul and founder of My Happy Flow, Nicole Kane, talks to me about embracing a mindset of abundance. Nicole came from humble beginnings, and she encountered significant losses early on. But despite her experiences, Nicole refused to let what she had been through define her. Today, as an accomplished serial entrepreneur, Nicole believes that blind faith truly established her dreams. A lot of times, the difference between where you are and somebody else is the mindset. You believed you could get there. That whole mindset shift is what gets us to the dream life that we want for ourselves. Hi, Nicole. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the pod. I love your laugh, by the way. You have such a good laugh. Thank you. I'm so happy you're here. I'm really excited to chat. We have all the things to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, but first, can you tell us how we met or how we first became introduced to one another, rather? I would like to know well, your side of the story. You want to know my side of the story? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I came to your house or something. Like you were renting out like it was my friend Nia's house I went back in oh. our DMs and it was my friend okay. Nia's house because you were like talking about her fabulous furniture and I was like yeah I mean I have nice furniture too but it was her house she's like she has interior design she's an actress but she also at the time was like doing a lot of interior design okay. and it was her house was it for yeah. like a, um was it for like I, I must was looking for a photo shoot location or something yeah. maybe that was what it was okay yeah that makes sense I know your your friend Ashley fabulous photographer or at the yes. time she was and I was with her today so, yeah she's still doing yeah, it we were trying to do the um a photo shoot and so yeah i think you gave me the tour of the house that's what it was that's okay. crazy it is crazy times back then 2014 2013 2012 like a long time it ago was a long time ago um and i i remember that as being really cool nicole because you know i was introduced to you through your blog which was like mm -hmm. you know Nicole Bitchy was everything for me. I mean, you launched it in what was it, 2008? Was it? 
Yeah, 2007, 2008, might as well say. Yeah. And so I was like in college at Howard, like if we wanted to know what was going on in the world, we were on Nicole Bitchy every day. Um, and so to meet you in person, obviously this is years later, but like for you just to be so warm and so kind and so effervescent, it was really cool to like just kind of um, see behind the curtain, I guess. And since yeah. then, we've really been, you know, we've kept in touch. Um, and uh, so much evolution has happened in your life, uh, which, again, I'm very excited to talk about. But you've always had such a wonderful spirit. And I'm really just excited to hear about your journey. Oh, man, I'm so excited to talk to you. Okay, so before we get into it, let's do some icebreaker questions. Are you down? Okay. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite food? Well, first of all, I love dessert. I was mm. just talking about cake on my Instagram <laughs> because I never got cake growing up. I never had a birthday party, never had cake. And mm. I just had a birthday a week or I two saw, ago. I yeah. saw. I read your message. That was really beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And so my friend surprised me with a cake. Um, last year, I tried to buy myself a cake and it just mm. didn't go well. <laughs> and so this year when it came out, it was just like, yes, like I finally got my childhood dream of being surprised with a birthday cake. So, oh, my yeah. gosh. And I'm a hard person to surprise. Like mm. my friend said really quickly when I was talking about putting together the birthday dinner, she said, um, what are you doing for cake? Right. So my spider senses went up for half a second because they know it's so on brand for me to buy my own cake. Yeah. <laughs> and so they're calling around trying to like ask. Um, she got a friend that's way in California where you are to just say, hey, what did you buy yourself for your birthday? And I was like, oh, some Bose Quiet Comfort earphones. Like, so I didn't <laughs> nice. know, like, <laughs> I didn't know they were like asking because they were trying to make sure I didn't have two cakes come out. But mm. yeah, when that cake came around the corner because it was coming from the back, I just was like so shocked and surprised. And yeah, my my inner child came out like I felt valued and celebrated for once in my life. Mm. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea. Totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. Okay, well, I want to get into the beginning then. How would you describe your upbringing? Because, you know, when I when I look at a, a beautiful, accomplished woman <laughs> who says... I, I just had never really been celebrated in that way mm -hmm. until now. You know, no one had ever gotten me a cake. What what was what was that like? And and did you always when was it that you noticed like I kind of want this and I've never had this? Yeah, well, it's 
my mom was a single mom. I remember looking at one of her checks mm. and she worked 40 hours a week and she would drive 30, 30 miles each way to get to work. She worked at like a Black & Decker, which they make mm-hmm. like vacuums and stuff like that. Um, but I remember looking at one of her checks and it was for like 200 and maybe $21 for 40, working 40 hours a week. And so I'm just wondering, how do you support a child off of uh, what, $221 after taxes is taken out? Check. And so like I empathize looking back now, um, you know, I probably didn't have birthday parties. It probably was just overwhelming for her to think about Mm. planning it and then probably can't afford to. And, um, and so it's funny when you get older, you start like looking back at things and you empathize with your parents. But back then you might've felt like some type of like resentment or whatever. I have so much compassion for like just my upbringing and a single mom. She had me at 19 Mm. trying to figure herself out while trying to raise a child. Um, I can only imagine what that was like. So yeah, that was my upbringing, but I've reframed a lot of my childhood um, through like therapy and coaching experiences. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, did your mom, uh, was your mom ever transparent with you about the hardships uh, that she was going through? No, I don't mm-hmm. think so. And it, it, I, I, I smile while I say that because I feel like we just have a certain level of self-awareness now I don't know if it's social media or everyone's talking about therapy and everybody's being more vulnerable and open. I feel like when I was coming up, it was just like family business was family business. We weren't all out there open about what we had going on or sharing things. And so I don't feel like there was a lot of sharing in my family or even amongst me and my mom. Like, I can't remember really deep conversations we've Mm -hmm. had like that. Yeah. I know you lost, uh, you know, both of your parents at, at mm-hmm. pretty young, uh, very young, um, in, in my opinion. Uh, and so talk to me about the loss and the grief mm-hmm. and and how you've initially, how you initially moved through it and how you're moving through it now. Oh, I'm, it, I'll probably cry. <laughs> hmm Yeah. But, um... I do need to talk about it more. I think I just avoided the topic of my parents for so long, especially as I w- when I was a blogger. I just felt, I felt orphaned. I felt embarrassed by it almost, even though it's like just a testimony. Like I wouldn't even have the company I have now um, if it wasn't for that. I didn't grieve properly when my mom, my father, and my grandmother Mm. It kind of came back to back to back. And I had a miscarriage in the midst of right in between my father and my mother um, passing. There was a miscarriage. So it was two years in between them passing, I believe, and a miscarriage happened in the middle. Um, Mm. But no one taught me how to like grieve. No one knew what to say to me. And so Mm. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing or feeling. No one I knew had lost parents. And so... Um, I, I didn't know how to, and I didn't have a therapist. And so I went through life. I started just working really hard, trying to be somebody. Mm -hmm. And that probably is why I worked so hard, like during my blogging days, 
then XO Nicole. Then I had two companies, XO Nicole and My Happy Flow. And it's like, I need, it was this thing I needed to do, which was heal from that grief. But I was just going, right? Um, I just took a year off starting last September. So it's been mm-hmm. a year since I wasn't really doing podcasts or any interviews. I barely post on social media. You could scroll twice and you probably back in 2016. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was because um, I just needed time to rest for a second. I'm like, Dad, what would my life be like if I just sat still for a second Oof. and then handled some of the things like the grief, the deaths? Probably not many people in my life knew I had a miscarriage before. And I recently opened up about that to someone I was dating. Um, And I'm just like, wow, you just have a lot of stuff that you haven't really processed and it's time to process it. Yeah. With my grandmother and my father, I just got the call. Like, oh, you know, um, you know, they passed or whatever, or they were in a hospital first and then they passed. With my mom, I, um, I got a call when I was working at an accounting firm from my aunt that said, I think you should come home and see your mom. And someone had texted me that they had put out a prayer circle in church that she was dying. But I had talked to her every day during my lunch break. And I'm mm. sure I was complaining about something every day during my lunch break. And she know, and she was aware that she was dying and never mentioned it. So I was kind of thrown off guard. I remember going on my lunch break like, um, mom, are you? about to die, you know, and the the phone went like very silent. And I I mean, I clocked out, drove down to, I was living in Baltimore. So I drove down to the Eastern Shore, which, which, which was two hours. And that's when I realized, like, she showed me her casket she had uh, picked out. It was like a blue casket, casket, her tombstone. And I'm like, she planned her, you know, she's literally planning her funeral and her death. Um, And I couldn't even wrap my mind around what that felt like for her. And so um, I was there those two weeks, like hospice comes in, they they literally give you a pamphlet and you know, okay, I got six days left. Now I got five days left because everything they have in that pamphlet that the person does, I mean, they have it to a T. So I even knew the day before, like, okay, tomorrow's the day she's going to die. And then the day of, I'm just kind of lightly just kind of awake, but kind of sleep. And that's when I heard her taking like the breaths. It was kind of loud. And so I had to go in there and I'm holding her hand and she's, you know, it's nothing you can do, but it's, it is traumatizing because it's something that just sits in your, um, it's, it's been in my mind all these years, you know, it's something you, you can't get out of your mind. What what would you say, Nicole, that grief has taught you? What have you learned over Man, this time? Definitely, I you got to cherish your moments with people. Give people their flowers while they can mm. still smell them. Like mm. people around me probably say, "Girl, you can stop thanking me." <laughs> like my hairstylist, wow. I probably think and on her, on my birthday, I probably thanked her a million times for helping me, make me look beautiful on my birthday. Mm. And it's like, I want people to know that I appreciated them while they're here. And like, not to take any moment for granted is like one of the big, and 
like not to hold back my love. Like even when it comes to dating relationships, a lot of times we we're scared to like love too much or do too much. But I don't want to leave this earth doing too little. So if I mm. like somebody, being able to tell them I like you or if I love them, I love you or I feel this way about you versus who oh, I love him so much. But I don't want him to know how much because wow. like I really want people to know how I feel about them and how they make me feel. Mm, that got me. I don't want to leave this earth doing too little. At all. (laughs) Nicole, that is profound because it's true. Like, loving and being loved, there's nothing better. There's there's, there's no greater expression, you know, like, uh, and you would never want to leave this earth feeling like you didn't do enough of it. Exactly. This episode is brought to you by Nordstrom Rack. I'm Ashley Blaine Featherston Jenkins, host of Trials to Triumphs and proud Howard University alum. I am so excited to share with you the impact that Howard University had on my life and hope you recognize the beauty and the power of the HBCU experience. And HBCU homecoming is really special because it's a convergence, right? Like you have amazing energy. You have beautiful black folks everywhere. You have people talking about their successes. You have people bringing back their children, their families. Like you see people living the lives that they dreamed about when they were on campus and you get to celebrate in that with them. And you get to honor the school that made it possible for you to even think about those dreams and dream that big. So. That's my favorite part is seeing people with these beautiful lives and I get to say and they say to me, I remember when you used to dream about X, Y and Z or they're saying, Ashley, you're exactly the same as you were when we were in our sophomore year class, whatever it may be. But it's it's so powerful to see people thriving and knowing that our HBCU empowered us to do so. Homecoming season is upon us, and if you've attended an HBCU, you know it's a time to celebrate and look your best. Visit your local Nordstrom Rack store or shop online at NordstromRack.com. Download the Nordstrom Rack app for even easier shopping, too. Huge thanks to Nordstrom Rack for supporting the show and celebrating HBCU Homecoming with us. Back to our conversation. Nicole, I want to talk about your kind of beginnings uh, and Mm -hmm. on all of your pivots in your career. So again, I came to know you through Nicole Bitchy. It was like the Mm -hmm. hottest Mm -hmm. blog in town every day. It was like the YBF uh, concrete loop and Nicole Bitchy. Uh, Yes. Boss up and (laughs) Nicole Bitchy though. I had like, I had them all pulled up in tabs and every day Mm -hmm. I needed to know what was going on. So talk to me about the moment when you decided to start Nicole Bitchy. Where were you? What, what was that season in your life like and what propelled you into starting it? Well, I got my start in entertainment, working at radio stations out in Detroit, like as an intern and working my way up. But I felt like it was more for me. And so I had moved to New York, was applying for all these jobs, um, Diddy's assistant, Tyra Banks assistant. MBA jobs, like all types of stuff, because I knew I wanted to work in the entertainment industry. And during that time, I also started like a small MySpace blog and I had adopted a moniker, Nicole Bitchy, just because I was applying to, 
I was like fake putting myself on industry lists and be like, I'm a writer for Complex or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I felt like I needed a name that was catchy. And at the time, Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie had a show, The Simple Life. Mm -hmm. And so Perez Hilton was out then. And that's where I did a spinoff of that, Nicole Bitchy. And it worked. I got into a lot of events and stuff knowing I didn't work for nobody and they weren't going to get any coverage the next day. And yeah, that's how I started um, my blog. I remember running out of money, having uh, to go back to the Eastern Shore and live with an aunt because I just didn't have enough to support myself in New York. And so I was like, the only jobs here are like Walmart and like a pickle plant. And Mm. I just, I know God has way more for my life than this. And so I started blogging on MySpace and I felt like, okay, I, I took a note of where I was, like how many readers I got. I probably got five readers. Um, how do I get to 50,000? <laughs> and so I knew like it would take consistency and the right type of branding, the right type of website. Like my website was black at first with white writing. And then I was like, people can't read that. Um, <laughs> mm. Like who would who would read a newspaper that showed up all black with white text? Like, mm. and so I remember just, saying, okay, I probably would have to post about four to five times a day and really be on top of the news for people and get to it first for people to come back. And so that's what I did. And I also noticed that most of the bloggers that were out, they weren't showing their faces. So I was like, that's probably the one thing that's going to make me stand out amongst the crowd is Mm. to show my face, to brand myself. I think in 2009, I did a shoot with Derek Blanks. And then that's when that I feel iconic header of me coming out of my computer screen and kind of mm-hmm. like having my hand around a nerdier version of me. It's almost like an alter ego. Um, yeah. And it was so it was so true to who I was because I was so shy um, and I'm behind this computer. But this Nicole bitchy persona was becoming so like, like bigger than life in front of my eyes. And I feel like when people met me, it was like they didn't know what to expect. And then they meet me and I'm just so like kind of timid and Mm -hmm. quiet spoken and shy. So that's how like the beginnings of Nicole Bitchy started. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life. Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Human nature can get a little messy. But nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com. When did you realize that, like, doing Nicole Bitchy isn't me anymore? Like, what what was that season in your life like when you were like, I've been doing this for a while, but like, I'm different now. Did something happen? Was it just that you 
kind of grew up and morphed and changed? What what kind of started propelling you outside of doing the Colvichy? I felt that two years in. Like, mm. I just felt like the world hated me. And also, I had went to a friend's wedding one time, and I was not paying attention to no one at that that resort. I was in my own world just ready for a little vacation, but I was the elephant in the room. Mm. And when I had flew back home to New York, I remember her calling me in a frantic, like, this person was there and they want to make sure that you don't uh, put anything about her being here or, and I, and I was just like, what? (laughs) I didn't even notice her. Like, and Mm. I just was so annoyed at first. My friend was put in a position where people were probably looking at her, like, why did you bring her here? But I didn't want to be an elephant in a room. Like, it got to a point where I could walk in rooms, like I could feel the room shift. Mm-hmm. And you know that everybody there knows that you're there. And so I just felt I couldn't go anywhere. I remember being in Atlanta in a nail shop, and I saw these girls in the back kikiing. And then I went on Twitter, and there's a picture of me. You know, mm-hmm. looking at Nicole Bitchy in the nail shop, looking a mess, you know, in my mm-hmm. sweats. Having my little self-care day. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wow, I don't really like living like this. Um, it was hard for me to date, you know, as a blogger. Like, who wants to date a blogger? And if, and if they do want to date a celeb blogger, then you have to question their intentions. Why do you want to date a celeb blogger? Like, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> like, and so it was just so many things. And it got to a point where I couldn't wait to live like a normal person. Like, to have mm-hmm. a normal life. Um there were death threats. There were private investigators showing up at my house. Like, it was just, it, it was exhausting. It was exhausting. So I don't really feel like I got my peace until I decided to leave the website behind. Mm, I read something um, where you said, would my legacy be that I just mm. gave good tea? And oh, I was like, like... Do not be at my funeral talking about like that... Like, you loved my website and I gave good tea. Like, please. Mm. Yeah. That's things that I started thinking about as I got older. Like, what I wanted my legacy to be. And I wanted it to be something impactful and powerful. Like, I'm in a place where I want to leave the world better than how I found it. You know, I want to contribute to the world in a way that's very powerful. And even people. I want to leave people better than what I found them. And Mm -hmm. so, looking where I am now uh, versus the chaos I was living in then, I'm like, look at God. Like, when you decide to go through a transition, it's going to be hard. Like, it's never going to be smooth. <laughs> yeah, You might hit, I feel like I've hit rock bottom a few times, but it was so worth it when I look at where I am now and the peace I feel now. Mm-hmm. What was, I mean, you said you hit rock bottom a few times, but can you recall like maybe rock bottom, rock bottom, rock bottom, like the rockiest of bottoms and what was going on at that time and how you got out of the rock bottom? I've hit rock bottom way before the Nicole Bitchy days. There's times Mm -hmm. I was sleeping in basements and I was just house hopping, you know, um, different friends, couch and just not knowing where my next check was coming from, temping different jobs. It it was just a lot. But I will say it feels, you feel the intensity of rock bottom a little bit more when you've been successful. 
Ooh, um, speak on it, Nicole. Get into it. <laughs> there was a there was two rock bottoms. One okay. is when I did a video talking about how what I wish I knew before leaving a successful brand. And I'm being very transparent and honest about like just not having the money I thought I would have coming in and all those other things. And then I go on vacation, the video goes viral. And people online are talking crap, like everywhere, Twitter, Facebook. Um, and the headlines were Nicole Bitchy, a fall from grace or mm. Nicole Bitchy from Boss to Broke. And I mean, those headlines really hurt me yeah. um, because I felt like I think my worst fear was failing in front of the world. And when you make a public exit like that, like when I left my site, I put a note up like I can no longer do this. I want to live a life of purpose and intention. And so to have that happen a year later, it crushed me. Um, but the second rock bottom was when, you know, Will Packer had came along and was looking to acquire uh, Exo Nicole, you know, and us and me still be on and run the brand. But I had to go through a season of negotiation, which was the summer of 2017, I want to think it was. Mm -hmm. And so just in case it didn't go through, because in my mind, I was like, in case this acquisition doesn't come, go through, what am I going to do? And so I remember selling my Range Rover. <laughs> mm -hmm. I sold all the stuff I had in my um, place. I was down to three suitcases to my name. I, I sold all the clothes. Well, I actually gave all the clothes I acquired during the Nicole Bitchy days. And you know, it was designer this, designer that. Like when mm -hmm. the St. Jude's people came and showed up at my apartment, the guy was like, can I come back with my girlfriend? <laughs> like, you're giving away all this stuff. But I just had to, it was almost like a snake shedding its skin. I had to mm. shed myself of that old identity and just really start over. And so I moved to New York and I move into this room that I was renting for $600. It was a rotating room. Like, you never know who's going to be in a room next to you. A Calvin yeah. Klein model. Somebody singing on a cruise boat. It was so uncomfortable for me living in this house. And I was like, and it was in Harlem. And I was just like, I hope to God nobody sees me mm. while I'm going through this season. Because it was, it was just very uncomfortable. But one thing I will say, I'm a manifester. And I remember mm. going to look at apartments that I would afford one day. And I started mm. like living my life as though that acquisition was going to go through. Started looking at furniture, like, and just really getting my mindset in a mindset of it's coming versus Ooh. it's lacking. And yeah. I feel like that helped get me through that season at the end of September uh, twenty. 2017. Yeah. Um, mm. The acquisition went through. And then, you know, the check deposited in my bank account. Um, and I was able to get myself out of that situation. Wow. So, yeah, you had to just, I was just talking to um, actually my mother-in-love, my husband's mom today. And I just was telling her, you know, we just have to believe. Like and, oh, and absolutely believing and like having blind faith is so hard, but it puts out the right energy in, into your life and into the world. Absolutely. It's, it was a time when I just didn't know how I was going to keep 
running Exo Nicole and I started sitting down every day and future journaling almost like I would set the intention for the day. And the, the day that Will Packer contacted me that morning, I wrote, I'm going to be presented with a great opportunity today. Oh. And then I get an email. And so that stuff works. I'm Right now, my friends know. Me and my friend, is. I have a friend, a close friend, and we joke, but we live in a world called Delulu. It's the world mm. of delusion and fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell me that I'm not a kept woman, that I don't have an amazing husband, mm. and he feeds and pours into me. And he affirms and celebrates me. And when I say kept, I just mean like well-loved. You know what of I mean? Of course. <laughs> yeah, I knew what you meant. Um, I knew you didn't mean like yeah. caged in. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, we live it. And when I first put her on to the world of delusion, it's like she had a paradigm shift like immediately. And she said, my endorphins have just skyrocketed in one second. Like she said, I love it here. Like why live in a world of reality? Let's live in this world of fantasy and delusion that everything is amazing. Like everything in my life is amazing. What do you mean? Mm. I'm well loved. I have amazing friends. And honestly, I do. I feel like that has attracted all the things I wanted into my life because I just live Mm. my life as though if it's not happening, it's going to happen for me. Well, what I love about hearing this, Nicole, is that you're someone who has experienced so much sadness and grief and things that have come unexpectedly and things that you did not plan for in your life, but yet somehow you're still able to sit here with a joy and an excitement for your future and and a gratefulness for your present life. And I just think it says so much about your fortitude about your resiliency, about how God has his hand on your life and mm-hmm, that good things are mm-hmm. always coming your way. But but even like taking it a step further, knowing, knowing that you're someone who puts that type of energy not only into your own life, but into the world, Nicole, like going back to what you said about legacy, like you're doing it. You are fulfilling the legacy that you intend to leave and that is why we are here. So I just want to commend you, Thank you. For, for doing that, Nicole. It's it because it's not easy. You know how easy it would be much easier to be like, oh my gosh, it, everything's falling way apart. Easier to be <laughs> yeah. negative. It's way easier. But I mean, I'm sure you wake up some days and be like, how did I get here? I'm not supposed mm-hmm. to be here. We got here through our mindset. That's that a lot of times the difference between where you are and somebody else is the mindset you believed you Mm. could get there. That is the one of the like sole differences between you. Like people will bring up circumstance. They will bring up resources. They will bring up money. Like and, and I'm like, I'm a girl who lost both her parents. I have no living grandparents. You know, I went through all these different traumas, sexual traumas, all these different things. And I still believe I deserve love. I still mm. believe that I I will be married one day and I will have kids one day and a family. I don't believe that these things make me... Un- I At one point, I did feel as though these, these things made me unlovable. I don't believe that anymore um, mm. about myself. And that whole mindset shift is what gets us to the dream life that we want for ourselves. What brought you to starting My Happy Flow? And just tell us about it. 
mm-hmm. what was your inspiration and, and what are your hopes and dreams for your business? When we first started, we called ourselves a period brand. We are not. It's just our first product helped women have pain-free, symptom-free periods. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing that made me start my happy flow was first my mother's breast cancer journey. But as I got older and and me trying to, um, I studied holistic health and hormones. And that's when I realized what I probably could have did to save her life from breast cancer. Um, with natural holistic remedies, um, because we do have two ingredients in our product that have been highly studied that you get from eating a lot of broccoli, kale, cauliflower. But um, it's been studied to help prevent breast cancer, colon cancer, and cervical cancer. Mm. Um, The product also helps lower your risk for fibroids and other estrogen-dominant conditions. So we've had a lot of... um, customers come to us and they just could not believe they were scheduled for fibroid surgery, um, you know, been on a product for months and then go into the surgery. And now the doctor can't find the fibroid, mm. you know, mm. so I've had a couple of customers I actually interviewed on um, our Instagram live because I'm like, people need to hear this because yes. sometimes your healthcare providers uh, uh, make you believe there's no way to shrink a fibroid. Or the only way you can get rid of fibroids is to have a hysterectomy. Mm. And I know that's not the case. I've seen too many. I just had a customer who she was on a wait list for a hysterectomy. And through my happy flow was able to get pregnant. She didn't even know (laughs) she could get pregnant. She was like, you went you went from saving my life and now helping me to create another one. Mm. And so when I hear those stories, I'm like, this brand is so powerful and impactful, but The reason why I particularly launched it, I had all these friends in in their 30s with fibroids. And most of them were only given the option of surgery or hysterectomy. And most of them wanted kids. And so this was a really heartbreaking thing for them. And, you know, one went through with the hysterectomy before I had a chance to, like, by the time I heard about the hysterectomy, it was already in process. And I just felt like, oh, my God, this is urgency. You know, there's a crazy stat, like 80 percent of black women will have fibroids by the age of 50. And I remember just hearing that stat and trying to figure out why one, but and why did we have such high rates, um, but also why our only options were always just surgery or mm-hmm. um hysterectomies and, you know, and these are life-changing, life-altering. And why couldn't it be more about holistic ways, preventative measures like um, nutrition? Um, And so I started studying fibroids. I started studying hormones a lot. And I realized like a lot of risk factors for fibroids were in vitamin D deficiency. Um, Also, stress levels, of course, our nutrition, the hormones that we find in our dairy and red meat, the um, the chemicals that are in our products like hair, you know, relaxers, mm-hmm. um, beauty, skincare. And so I, I wanted to come up with a solution of if we're at, we have such high rates of this thing, what are, what is like a product that will help with lowering the risk of this thing, if that makes sense. And most people would say, well, why is this a period product? It's a period product because 
your first sign that you probably have fibroids or underlying condition is a very painful period and a very heavy flow. Um, but we've always been taught that this is normal. Like your periods mm-hmm. are supposed to be uncomfortable. They're supposed to be crazy. You're supposed to be bleeding mm-hmm. all over the place. And so we were, no one was ever, like most women I know was never taught what a healthy period looks like. So when I tell mm-hmm. women a healthy period is one that comes and it probably stays around three to five days average, seven at most, anything over seven is prolonged. Um, when I tell them, yeah, it's supposed to be bright red in color, no blood clots or anything mm-hmm. like that. You're suppo- not supposed to really have any cramps. Um, mm-hmm. If so, very minimum discomfort, n- no PMS, right? You're not really supposed to have PMS like that. <laughs> mm. And they're like, what? And all of these symptoms are signs of hormonal imbalances. And if they're left unaddressed, it puts you at high risk for fibroids, ovarian cysts, endometriosis, breast mm-hmm. cancer tumors. And so that was the purpose of us starting this brand, not just to provide this natural remedy or this natural um, solution for period relief, but to also help women um, balance their hormones naturally and also educate them on what a healthy period looks like so that we could lower their risks of these different reproductive conditions. Well, I, I am too, I'm just so grateful to you and for your creation of this product, you know, just going back to you really wanting to contribute positively to your legacy. I am someone who has suffered through painful periods my whole life and heavy periods. Every woman in my family, my mother, my older sister, my, I want to say, I think my aunt too, my grandmother, and I want to say my great-grandmother all have had hysterectomies by the age Mm. of 35, which is the age that I am right now. And I've been on my fibroid journey, I would say, for the past decade. I started at 25 and I've had a uterine embolization. I've had two fibroid removal surgeries, um, uh, uh, experiencing um, unexplained infertility. Uh, So, uh, you know, going through IVF, all of these things I've experienced in the past decade, but I chose to uh, be in resistance to what my family history had said would be my history and my story for for the generations to come. And, you know, the prayer, Nicole, is that our daughters will have a product like this Mm -hmm. so that they don't even know what we're talking about. They're like, (laughs) they're confused. And I know this is a very controversial thing for me to talk about, but I do have to go out and educate Black women on this. A lot of times when we have period pain, when we're teens, it's either period pain or hormonal acne. And we go to the doctor without any diagnosis, they put you on birth control. Mm -hmm. And the thing with birth control is it has synthetic hormones in it. So we do all this education about the hormones that are in dairy and meat, the hormones or the hormone mimicking chemicals in our, you know, our products like hair relaxers, bath, body fragrances. But there's not enough education on what those synthetic hormones and birth control do. They, a lot of times, are like miracle-grow to, to fibroids. They accelerate mm-hmm. the growth and can accelerate the growth. And so, um, especially if, if they have an estrogen base. And so we weren't educated about how birth control works, especially birth control pills. It shuts off 
your ovulation. So you don't have a real menstrual cycle. The period on mm-hmm. a birth control pill is, is called a withdrawal bleed. And that's from the week of pills that don't have the hormones in them. Yeah. So think about a woman's reproductive system basically shutting down for over a decade. Because I have a lot of customers who have been on birth control over 10 years or more. It's like start like having a new car, but you decide to set it in the garage for over 10 years. You never start it. And you think when you want to go to start it, which to have like kids and that mm-hmm. type of thing, that it's going to start up like it's brand new. It needs some help now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've been sitting, we haven't been ovulating for t- over 10 years. How do I get this ovulation thing going again? And so I try my best. I know it's very controversial, especially in the Roe versus Wade yes. era of me going out and talking about the dangers, the, the long-term health risks of birth control, how it can contribute it to the growth of even increase your risk from breast cancer tumors. Um, and it's a very tricky conversation to have because most women will say, well, what do we do? Mm-hmm. They should be teaching us in high school something called a fertility awareness method. And that basically teaches you the different phases of your menstrual cycle. It's four yes. different phases each month that our cycle goes through. And so if women were taught this when we were teens, we would know exactly when we were ovulating. And just knowing that I thought like every day in a month you could get pregnant when I was a teen and then come to find out ovulation window is like 12 to 24 hours. You're just fertile for about five days because that's how long a sperm can live in a body. Mm -hmm. And so just learning that stuff so late in the game, it's like y'all are doing a disservice for us not to know about our bodies or our menstrual cycles and what our periods are telling us every month. It's insane (laughs) to think about. No, I'm really happy you're talking about it, Nicole, because if I'm honest, these are everything you're talking about. I didn't really know and understand until my late 20s, like late 20s, like within the past six, seven years. And I would really say, honestly, throughout my IVF journey is when I've really, which is in the past year, that I've Mm. really understood my body in a way. Even I started, like I just said, I started fibroid removal procedures at 25. I got on birth control at 17. It wasn't until, like I said, I would say in this past year at 34 to 35 that I really started understanding my body and my fertility. Yeah, That is, and and I'm I'm learning it because I want to have a baby. Right. But I needed to know it. Yeah, that that should not be the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I should have known all the, I should have had all these options. Like you said, before it was just offered, before birth control was simply offered to me. There was no, I don't remember any conversation about birth control. It was just like the the, the biggest thing that I remember my doctor said to me about birth control was simply to remember to take it at the same time every day. That was the biggest yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Yep. That's it. Just make sure you take it at the same time every day. But that was it. There was no education surrounding it. I feel if you prescribe a drug without testing and diagnosing, it's malpractice. Mm-hmm. So you just, instead of you giving me tests, which you might find PCOS, you might find endometriosis if you dig deeper or with that surgery, um, you might find some fibroids with an ultrasound or Instead of doing that, you just say, oh, you have period pain? Here, take these pills. It's going to regulate it every month and you should be fine. And that's just, and that's why we have a generation of women with so many reproductive conditions. Yes. Um, 
And so it's very tricky because, you know, you almost take on Big Pharma when you're talking about these type of things. But it's something that women need to know um, so they can best advocate for themselves. And so that now their daughters will know, like you said, Mm -hmm. our daughters and their daughters' daughters will know. Mm. Nicole, tell me, what has been your takeaway from our conversation today? Oh, man. I I think one of the biggest takeaways, I want us as women to have more conversations about our health, our uterus, Mm. our hormones. Um, I know we talked about like my parents and my career, but I, it, it really makes me happy to see women having these conversations because like you said, our family members probably didn't, or it was just Mm -hmm. normal. Right. Um, And so just to have women sharing more stories about their wombs. I think that's the biggest takeaway I got from this. Mm, I love that. That's good, Nicole. And and I agree. I, I think, you know, my takeaway is, you know, sitting here talking to you, I I, I love the reminder that there is so much ahead of you and that awaits that you don't even know how much you're contributing to in your life, but that was always meant for you. You know, I was introduced to you through a celebrity gossip blog. And here (laughs) we are talking about how you are saving lives. The reminder that God always had that plan for your life and that you had such a willingness and an excitement to be unafraid to continue to reinvent yourself and lean into what's for you and how you want to contribute to your legacy is something that I'm really taking away. And I just want you to know, Nicole, I am deeply inspired by you and really excited for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by LWC Studios for OWN. The show's executive producer is Juleka Lantigua. Our managing producer is Fatima Al-Swifi. Shanice Tindall is our lead producer. Associate producer is Mona Hassan. Jordan Thompson is our marketing coordinator. This episode was mixed by Trin Lightburn. Michelle Baker is our video editor. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, and we hope you did, please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and review wherever you listen to your podcast to ensure you hear the next one. The viewpoints and information in this program are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for medical advice. If you have any questions about your own health, please seek advice from your personal physician. I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one 844 Cosentix. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. 
Human nature can get a little messy, but nature nature is powerful enough to save us from ourselves. Seventh generation laundry detergent lifts away tough stains with a 97% bio-based formula. For when you think whipping up yellow curry chicken in white pants is a great idea, totally not speaking from experience. Let nature do its thing so you can feel confident doing yours. That's the power of 7th Generation. Find 7th Generation laundry detergent and fresh lavender and other scents at 7thGeneration.com.